But Mark chapter, no, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5. Let's look in verse 37. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these comes of evil. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, let him take away your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that ask thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. You have heard that it hath been said, You shall love your neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, what? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now that takes faith right there, doesn't it? Do you know that, that many times you have to do things by faith because you don't feel like it? When the Bible says love your enemies. You, you know, you can forgive people by faith. Lord, I forgive them in Jesus' name. Why? You don't feel like it at all. <laughs> you, you have to do that. I mean, how many know even as spouse, friends, co-workers, you, you have to forgive. And, and you may not feel like it. You just say, I forgive you. I, I, I release you. And, and you don't have the feeling. You know, it's just like when you pray and ask for forgiveness for something. You, you don't necessarily have a feeling that you're forgiven. Right? And then 30 more times the enemy brings that back. This is what you did. But you, you just have to say, no, I confess that to the Lord. And he said he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. And so the truth of God's word, sooner or later, is going to make the feeling go away. And that feeling of condemnation. And so there's times where you just have to say, I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to bless them that curse you. You move in the opposite spirit. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them. You know, one of the best things you can do is, bless, is, is give somebody something that you know that doesn't like you. Just give them something. You know, it changes it. Just, I mean, it doesn't have to be something. It doesn't have to be $200. It can just be buy them a Coke or something. You know, buy them a coffee. Do something, you know, that you can just bless them. And it changes things. He says, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I heard a pastor say this many years ago. Um, they were having a testimony service, and they said, uh, anyone have a testimony? And, and the pastor of the church said, I want to thank God for sister so-and-so. And everyone just like, <gasps> gasped and stuff, because she caused the most trouble in the church, this lady did. And uh, someone asked later, said, Brother Hagen, uh, why did you say that? He said, she's, she's helped me more in my prayer life than anybody else because I've been praying on my knees for her and, and having to forgive her and release her. And he said, she caused me to grow more spiritually than any other person. So pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Look at verse 45. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? 
Be therefore perfect, or another way of saying that is mature, wholehearted, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. But I want to look at this last phrase in verse 45. He says, For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. I want to share this morning about he reigns on the just and the unjust. So as you know, as we've had this this extra rain here lately, that rain has it refreshes. It rains on the good. It rains on the evil. You know that God is a good God. He's a good God, and so He reigns on the the uh, just like He reigns on the believers' tomatoes. He reigns on the sinners' tomatoes. Just like any person that, that has um, things in their, uh, their garden, in their life, God's a good God, so he reigns on them. Why? Because he's a good God. Can you say amen? God is no respecter of persons. He reigns on the just and the unjust. I want you to look over um, in Matthew 19. Matthew 19, you know, sometimes people, they'll say things like this. You know, so-and-so was a good person, but they didn't receive from God. You know, and how, how come? And they want like a, a pat answer for that. Well, you know, so-and-so was a good person and they didn't get healed. Well, the thing I want to know is what does having a, a person being a good person, what does that have to do with being healed? Because it doesn't. We receive nothing because we're a good person or someone's a bad person. <laughs> it's because God is merciful and kind that we receive everything on a gift basis. I don't receive anything because I'm good. I don't receive anything because I pray more. I don't receive anything. Now, sure, that puts me in a position, but everything we receive is, is the goodness of God. We all come to the cross. You know, do you remember the Bible talks about the Pharisee and the publican, Jesus gives this parable. And he says, this one man, this Pharisee, he goes to the temple and he says, Father, I thank thee. Now you can hear the voice. I thank thee that I am not like all these others and I'm not like this publican. I fast twice in the week. I do this. I do that. And the Bible says that this other one, he, he turns and he says, he looks up towards heaven and he says, and he said he hits his chest and just bows his head and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says he went home justified rather than the other one. You know why? Because he went on to say, for he who exalts himself shall be abased. You'll be brought low. You, you walk in pride, what's going to happen? The Bible says you will be brought low. You will be brought low. Anyone here today? Anyone know the Bible says that you walk in pride? God, you will, you will, it's not that God's having to do this. You're opening yourself up to the enemy. But the Bible says, he that humbles himself, the, it says, God, you, he shall lift him up. So, you know, the way up is, is by going down. The way up is by going down. 
Pastor Rodney tells a story. He was in this other country, and he said that they were in this place, and, and they had been um, doing this like little trek or whatever. They were he and another guy, and um, there was a place where they were just so thirsty, and, and just they were in the bush in, in Africa, and, and they got to this place where they wanted um, some water, and they see this pipe, and this pipe was really low, but it was also real mucky and miry down there. So you know what that means? That means like like army style and you're like crawling down there to get the water because as soon as you lift the pipe up just by by um the way that the gravity was it quit pouring but he, he dropped it back down and what happened the water's flowing he tried to pick it up to get to his mouth so he's like well it looks like i'm gonna have to get down in the mud it looks like that's the only way i'm gonna get it but when you're thirsty you don't really care do you if you're a real thirsty if you're desperate you're going to get down there. I don't care if there's manure down there, what's going on. So the way up is the way down. You have to humble yourself. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Where did I tell you? Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do? that I may have eternal life. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Now this is the story of the rich young ruler, and the Bible talks about him, how he tells him, Go sell all that you have. He said, I've kept all the commandments. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and follow me. He was not asking him to take a vow of poverty. It, why? Because I know what the Bible says. He would have made him a multi-billionaire. Now, some people believe that this was Barnabas that we see later in, in the book of Acts. I, I don't know conclusively. It really doesn't matter. But here's the thing. If he would have obeyed, he, see, he couldn't turn it loose. Why? Because he trusted in his money. But he, notice what he said, though. Jesus says, there's none good but one, and that's God. So God is a good God. All through Scripture, God is portrayed as good, and the devil is bad. Everyone say, God is good, the devil bad. Turn over to John chapter 10 and verse 10. Now this, this verse to me is so powerful, because if you will put this in your mind, it will be the dividing line in all doctrine in your life. Any questions you have, is this God, is this the devil? In fact, look in verse 7. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. Remember, Jesus said in, in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And he says that he shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, who is he talking about? Who's, who's he Jesus talking about in this verse? It's okay, I'm asking a question. The devil. 
He says, the thief comes not, but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come. So Jesus is making a difference. He's saying, I'm come to give life and life more abundantly. So the thief comes not. So the thief is always going to come. The thief is always going to come. You know, he, he is more persistent than most Christians. He comes to church more than most Christians. He's always here to cause something to happen. But I don't give him credence, and we, if we had to cast the devil out of somebody, we'll do that. <laughs> but the, the enemy's always going to come. We, we know that that's his business. But what, what is it for? To steal, to kill, to destroy. That's his, his mode of operation. That's the only thing he knows to do. But Jesus today, hallelujah, he says, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I love the Amplified. It says, life to the full till it overflows. See, people have the wrong idea of God. They think, well, yeah, I guess he's good, but, you know, he just, I'm, I'm just kind of like scrimping by. God is not a scrimp by God. God, and even by this word, in fact, let me read this here. I'll get to it here in a minute, but I have it written down somewhere. <laughs> but suffice to say, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. If it's a blessing, we know that it's from God because of this verse. If it's a curse, what do we know? We know it's the devil 100 times out of 100. Well, you know, Pastor, you know, I just believe. You know, watch when people say, well, I just believe. Because what they're going to tell you is something that's not in the Bible. Oh, you know, I just believe that... Um, this, this, and this. I just believe that, you know, God just put me on my back so I would trust him. I just believe that God, you know, I'm just talking about in so many different ways people say, well, you know, I just believe that, that God caused me to have this accident so I would turn to him. Well, you know, thank God that people turn to him, but don't, don't use that as God causing it. You know, people think that, that God and the devil somehow, you know, have this working relationship. They do not. <laughs> they do not. You know, people say this. Well, you know, it was a blessing in disguise. But here's the thing I want you to understand. A blessing and a curse. A curse never magically turns into a blessing. It's still a curse. Now, thank God. Now, I've made mistakes in my life. Who's ever made mistakes? Thank God that we can repent and turn to God and make the decision. You know, Lord, that was dumb. I mean, you just have to be real with God and say, God, you know, don't get, get all religious in your praying. Wherefore, Father, you know, thou knowest that. God, I blew it. I missed it. I repent. You know, you'll get a lot further along with God when you just tell the truth. God, you know, that was just dumb. And I repent. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Just, just talk to God real. Amen. You know, just in your praying, do the same thing. Lord, I need this. Uh, my family, we need this, and I I'm just asking you for this. And I believe I receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you. You don't have to get all holy in your praying. You know, you, it's funny, you know, you, you see someone, you talk to them, and, and they're just joking around, but you ask them to pray, and then all of a sudden their voice changes. 
and they clear their voice and it just gets deeper. It's like, now that's, that person was just talking to me and they sounded different. Just talk to God the way you normally talk. Amen. But when we talk about this life that Jesus came to bring, he came to bring us life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. And this life is superior in quality, and it surpasses in quantity. And I'm going to say one word, and, and a lot of times people in, in church circles, they have a problem with this word. By implication, it's the word excessive. Because sometimes people say, well, you know, I just don't believe in that excess. Well, what, what do you believe about God? God, by nature, is excessive. I mean, think, I want you to just think, and I could give you a hundred examples, but think about in the Bible, because we're talking about God reigns on the just and the unjust. God, God blesses people. God, God is good to the, the unjust and the just. But we see, um, <clears throat> look over in Psalm 23. You know, I was going to give you this example. Think about, the Bible talks about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, different, different occasions. So one of the things we see is this. When he fed the 5,000, what did he do? He broke it. They broke the, the bread, and what happened? It didn't just all of a sudden become a whale and, and big loaves. This was a boy's lunch. So what happened is this. He broke it, broke the bread, it multiplied. Oh, okay, we still have some. They broke it to the next person. Oh, we still have some. Still have some. So the, in the breaking of the bread is where the multiplication happened. They broke it, they broke it, they broke it, it multiplied, they passed it on. And so at the end, though, everyone is satisfied. Everyone is full. Everyone's had a good meal. It wasn't just like take, okay, you can only have one bite and, and, and pass it on. No, it said they were filled. They were full. Jesus even could have asked, hey, has everyone been, f oh, yeah, Jesus, we're full. We're, we're filled up. That was so good. Then Jesus said, okay, gather up the fragments. Gather up the rest. Do you know that there was 12 basketfuls? Of the fragments that was just left over. Now, don't you think that God knows how much would feed all those people? Don't you think he could have made it to the right crumb that, that, that you know, hey, this is, this is uh, sorry, um, Jesus, this is too much. Well, why is that? Because he's an excessive God. You know, I believe, and I, I believe with all my heart, a lot of people, if they were, if they had their way, if they were creating the world, they would create three colors, gray, dark gray, and light gray. When the, and they think God is like that. Have you ever looked at the oceans? Have you ever looked at how many fish there are and the colors? And, you know, they're still discovering all these things. Why? Because God is more than enough. Because God is excessive. He's not, you know, you know, just skimp by and just scrimp by. God is excessive. Amen. He's more than enough. He reigns on the just and the unjust. Do you know how many? Do you know how many bananas fall off in the in the in the in the jungle that the monkeys will never eat? <laughs> do you know how many 
tons of, of food they throw away, you know, at market. People, you know, people don't realize how much abundance is in this planet. Don't let people lie to you, especially certain people that say, well, you know, we're, we're running out. This earth is not running out. I, mean, I, even heard, I, I even heard a figure, and it could be more than that. I heard someone say there was close to like 10 billion that this earth, that it'll get to that place it would never get any bigger. But God, God, did not, God is not looking at this situation that we have now with earth and saying, um, I don't know what I'm going to do because we're going to run out. There is never, the only, the only people that are running out, the people that propagate this, you know, they want people to believe that we're running out and, and, and you know, we have to do what they say. But there is no shortage on planet earth. And there'll be no shortage to you if you believe. But Psalm 23. You know, we really have to hit this because the church has been so indoctrinated with unbelief for the last several hundred years. And don't think it's not by accident or that it is by accident. It is, it's by design. And you know, different ones through the years, I don't care who you're talking about, if you're talking about in the last 100, 200 years, all these things were targeted through Bible schools for the preachers to preach. You know, people talk about, uh, and they say it in a negative connotation, gospel of prosperity. I'm going to tell you what, what was preached through Bible schools was the gospel of poverty. That's where through the last few hundred years, people would take vows of poverty. That's by the plan of the devil. Why? So the church doesn't have anything. So the church can't do anything. So the church can't even open the door. So the church can't even meet. That's of the devil. And so it was propagated through Bible school, through the Carnegie's, through different ones. <laughs> through different ones. Why? So the church would be kept poor. You know, the Bible says in, in Proverbs, it's either Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. <laughs> it's in the New, Old Testament. <laughs> the Bible says the poor man's wisdom is never heard. You know, you can have a lot of wisdom. You can have a lot of things to say, but the poor man is never going to be heard. Why? Because he's poor. That's why God wants to elevate you. That's why God. And so there's been such a, a lacking of this, especially where we live. There's such a... a it's a famine. It's not even on the meter at like 1%. So that's why we have to talk about these things. It's not that we're overemphasizing it, but it's just, it's so far on the, the wrong side that we have to talk about these things so people even start to believe God for more. They believe, they believe that God is a good God. So they even can believe that God wants them to come up. People think, well, no, you, you're just talking about money. People have to be blessed. How else are you going to get faith that God's a good God, unless we talk about these things. Amen. So we're going to shout it from the housetop. We're going to shout it from the rooftop. So what the enemy, though, he is scared of, of believers being blessed. There was, a, um, there was a meeting last year, and if I called it, you know who they are, but it was a, um, on a um, large denomination. They had a, a meeting, because I love every group and I love every denomination, but here's what the enemy does is infiltrates from the outside. So 
here you had the World Economic Forum. Many of the people in this leading denomination went to their meeting. And uh, so what they wanted to do was infiltrate. So what they did is they said, We're gonna, um, we want these three things to happen. So what they did is, and this organization, this uh, denomination came out against it. And they said that prosperity, um, you know, forget the Bible talks about it. Forget that the Bible, that Jesus talked more about abundance than any other thing. You know, read the scriptures. Jesus talked at least twice more about stewardship than any other thing that he talked about. But to some people, it's non-existent in the Bible. But what this organization did was they said that, number one, through the World Economic Forum, they said, we have to, to, to attack prosperity. Because if the church has money, then, you know, no pandemic, uh, you know, healing was the second thing. No pandemic can keep them down. Wow. They'll, believe, they'll believe God for healing. And the third one was this. Tongues. He said, because those people that pray in tongues, they, they access power that most people don't have. <laughs> and so that's what happened. And so you had people that they, they came out and, and they, they denounced these things and, and called it um, something of the devil, called it um, cultish. Well, you know, I'm just going to believe what God's word says. The thief comes not but for to steal Kill and destroy. And that's what he's doing. He's stealing from those people, robbing them blind. But I, Jesus said, am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. So Psalm 23. Didn't intend to go into all that, but someone needed it. Psalm 23 tells us about the God that we serve. Now, like I heard one minister say, a lot of people use Psalm 23 only at a funeral, but it's not a psalm that we die by. It's one that we live by. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. Now, one thing we know, if you just watch cows, what do they do when they're laying down? Why, why are they laying down? Usually it's because their belly's full, right? You know, and, and the grass is just rolling over their head, and they're just, you watch this bull, and they're just moving their mouth. That's about all they're doing, you know. And, uh, you know, don't have a worry. You know, when I think about having no cares and concerns, I just think about a cow. You know, just, they're just sitting there just chewing the cud. Well, that's the way God wants us to be. We don't have a single worry. We cast all our cares upon him. And as he feeds us, because we know we're his sheep, He's going to lead us into the green pastures. He's going to lead us besides the still waters. Not, not waters that you stick your head in and you drown. But still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't, don't camp in the valley. Just, just walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
But look at this. He said, you prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That's what we prayed in the beginning of the service. My cup is about half full. My cup runneth over. Now let me ask you this question. Doesn't the Lord know when your cup is full? <laughs> okay, just think about the Lord. Here he is. He's, gonna, he's got your, your cup and he just starts pouring. He starts pouring. Okay, Lord, uh-oh, Lord is getting kind of full. Uh-oh, Lord, Lord, it's, go, it's full. Lord, it's overflowing. It's going down. Yeah, I know. Isn't it great? Lord, Lord, it's going everywhere. I know. See, a lot of people will say waste. What people call waste is actually abundance. And so my cup is going to run over. You know, when my cup runs over, I don't have to be concerned that, that things are going to be running out. People live in fear. I mean, if you were like, like my family, we grew up a certain way. And it really, there, there's a, one thing to be, um, to have wisdom. There's a, you know, a lot of people say, well, you should have wisdom. Sometimes they're just afraid. But, but we grew up, you know, like this. We would save every margarine bowl, every, every bread bag, twist ties. Now, no, maybe no one else did that. <laughs> but we saved all these things. Why? You just never know if you might need it. What is that? That was just fear, you know. Every, you know, you save all the packs of ketchup from every restaurant you've been to. You save all the... Once in a while, we'll save the Chick-fil-A, but we just buy the Chick-fil-A sauce at Walmart now. So, you know, but a lot of people do those things out of fear that they're going to run out. But I'm going to tell you right now, you will not run out in Jesus' name. The cruise of oil shall not fail in your house. Abundance shall be in, in your house. Abundance shall be your portion. Because he's a good God. So my cup... Runneth over. You know, it wouldn't hurt you at all this week, just throughout the week, just to say, my cup is running over. My cup running over. You know why? Because the devil's telling you this. You're going to run out. The devil's saying, you're, you're, you're finished. You're going to run out. So you just say, my cup's running over. It's running over. Hallelujah. You know, the whole ministry of Jesus was showing how good the Father was. He was always revealing the Father and how good He was. And in fact, it's interesting, you know, he, he ministered to the Jewish people. They couldn't see that because the only thing they knew was that God was austere. God was, was a lot of people have that idea today. Not that He's a God of love, that He's austere, that He's a God of judgment. Can you imagine um, Paul the Apostle? Here he was, Saul of Tarsus, when he was on the way to Damascus. Jesus met him. There, he got born again, radically changed, and he follows Jesus. Well, you know, you could imagine before that encounter, you can imagine the Jewish people were definitely praying. They were, you know, these people and these Jewish believers that had been born again. Can you imagine coming out of, out of you know, Judaism and, and, and they're praying, Oh God, judge him, oh God, judge him. So God did. God judged him. But when, when most people would want to turn Saul over to the destruction of the flesh, God turns him into the office of the apostle. God saying, judge him, and he did. And he, but it wasn't what people wanted. 
He's like, kill him, oh God, kill him. You know, you can't pray those prayers. Kill him, oh God. <laughs> what happens is he turns him into the, the office of the apostle and, and turns him from the, the biggest foe of the church to the, good, the best friend of the church. And then Paul goes and preaches in, in the synagogues every day. And they said, hey, he that destroyed this faith is now preaching the same faith. He that destroyed Christ is now preaching the same thing. And he goes and preaches Jesus. So Jesus is preaching about how he's a good father, how he's a loving heavenly father. Luke 12, 32 says this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's your good pleasure to bless your kids. It's your good pleasure to, to be a blessing to them. You know, I don't get any pleasure out of, you know, well, you know, I'm just going to just watch them suffer a little bit. No, I, I, want, I want them to be blessed. I want them to, they come to me, as I've said before, not as El Shaddai, but El Shaddad. The God, the, the dad who's more than enough in their eyes. But, you know, as a dad and as a parent, we want to, as they grow more and more, we want them to learn to be dependent upon the Lord. To where they look. I mean, we've done that with the boys and said, okay, you, you pray. <laughs> oh, Dad, we want this. Okay, you pray. You, you ask the Lord for it. You, you sow a seed. You know, if it's a kid, you know, they, especially really young, you know, have them sow a, a toy or something. If, they, if they're believing God, why? They, they know, hey, I'm going to get that. I'm going to sow this. And they'll be happy to do that. And you're teaching them to look to the Lord. And when God gives them something, they'll know it wasn't the Easter bunny that did it. They'll know it wasn't Santa Claus that did it. They'll know it wasn't the tooth fairy that did it. They'll know that Jesus gave them that. Amen. <clears throat> I'm so glad that I turned out all right, even though my, my parents did that all that. I mean, I had the, we'd get a, you know, and it wasn't a much. It was just a quarter. I mean, you give up a tooth, you should get more than a quarter. <laughs> Especially nowadays. <laughs> But Acts 10, 38 tells us who Jesus was as he was in our, his earthly ministry. Acts 10, 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. So we see that same thing where he was anointed to do what he did. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. Say, say that with me. God is good. Do you know that... Brother Oral Roberts, who was in the healing ministry, who just went on to be with the Lord in the last 10 years, he, he lived in, to be in his 90s. He preached in the tents, you know, back in the 40s and 50s a lot. And he had this saying that he would always say, God is a good God. And he had this saying, something good is going to happen to you today. Something good is going to happen to you. And... Um, you know, there would be some ministers that didn't like him saying those things. And they would even tell other ministers, I don't like when he says that. He said, well, is he good or is he not? He said, yeah, but he's good, but it makes it too easy. And this other minister said, God is the one who put it on a gift basis, not man. God's the one that did. I'm so thankful that, that it's not according to what some people make it to be. It's, all you have to do is believe and receive. 
believe and receive. Thank God I don't have to go through a man. I don't have to go through a priest. I don't have to go through some other person to, to get to God. I have a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. And, and he has a, right now he has a heavenly ministry seated at the right hand of the Father God. The present day ministry of Jesus Christ where he ever lives to make intercession for us. He ever lives right now to make intercession for us. Jesus is not far removed in a faraway place where he has no idea and recollection, but one day I'm going to go get the church. No, he's praying. He's standing in the gap. He's saying, Father, I took their place. So when we confess our sins, we confess those things. He said, hey, I took their place. I already, I already took that, Father. And, and he washes us. He cleanses us based upon that blood. Can you say Amen. So, he says here, how God anointed Jesus and as with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So, do you know sickness is satanic oppression? Now, that doesn't mean that you have a demon. It doesn't mean you're demon possessed. That just means that all sickness has its origin from the devil. John Alexander Dowie said this, that, that sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. Whenever you have the devil and you have sin, you're going to have death, you're going to have dying, you're going to have all these things, you're going to have disease. So it's not maybe because of a certain person's um, sin or anything, but we just know that the enemy, he, he's, he's trying to do things, he tries to do things, he tries to put sicknesses on people. And that's, that's called satanic oppression. But, as we see, I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 13. We see another instance. Where Jesus talked about sickness. As we see in um, Acts 10, it's satanic oppression. You know, there's nothing good about sickness. You know, people say, well, you know, I sure learned a lot in that. Well, I'm sure you could have learned a lot without the sickness. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's nothing, there's no redeeming quality about poverty. See, it's, it's so much religious thinking along this line, but there's no redeeming thing. Well, you know, the... Uh, you know, we got to teach teach the kids the the um, you know the the power and 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 the the power of the dollar. Not much to it, is it? There's not much to the dollar. Why? Because we don't love money. We want to teach people how to be. You want to teach kids how to be. Um, uh, you know, um, what's the word? A good servant and, and a good uh, a good steward of that money. But we don't love money. We don't put. You know, the. Let's just read. Come on. Luke 13. Luke 13 and verse 11. Now, this account right here we see is only in the book of Luke. It's not in the other accounts. This woman with a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus says this woman had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. You know, that's a long time. She was bowed together and could in no wise lift her up herself. Something that you could maybe like a rheumatoid arthritis, she was, she was bowed over. 
She couldn't lift herself up. And Jesus saw her. He called her to him and said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Now this is like the pastor of the church. Now, after, after this lady gets healed, the pastor gets up. <laughs> not, not the deacon, not the, the head usher, but the pastor gets up with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. If you, if you read through the um, gospel accounts, what did Jesus get in trouble for? Doing things on the Sabbath day. Getting people healed. And he said, there are six days in which men ought to work, in them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. But here's the problem. You know, you wanted to ask the Pharisees, okay, what days do you have healing meetings? Because they didn't. They didn't get anybody healed. They just were more concerned about their letter of the law. Do you know the Bible says that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life? You, you can get so letter-minded in the Word, and we love the Word, but don't get so letter-minded. You know, don't, don't shoot people with Bible bullets. You know, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. You need to have love with the Word. So when you minister the Word of God to people, you do it in love and not just... I mean, you ever seen like... You know, sometimes people get together and they start and they're just waiting, man. Just as soon as that person... You know, it's just like this. You know, in conversations, there's sometimes people are not really listening. Now, they, they may be quiet, but behind their back, they're loading their guns. That just as soon as you get through talking, they're just going to let you have it, you know. And so, but that's the way it is. Sometimes people can do that scripturally and spiritually. You know, they, they, they're just as soon as someone gets through talking, the Bible says this, 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 and this. Well, it does say that, but you have to minister that in love. And there might be certain situation parts that you need to uh, direct towards that person and not just shoot those Bible bullets at them. So here, here they were. He says, um, you know, six days, come and be healed. And notice what the Lord said. The Lord then answered and said, you know, you're right. I was wrong. This is your church, and I'm sorry. Uh, we'll come back and, and, and have this healing meeting another day. Jesus says, you hypocrite. Well, you know, you know, people, people read these things and they get offended at Jesus. People today read these things and they get offended at Jesus because he dealt with this woman and, or this man like that. You know, even like I was just talking to someone here recently and they were saying, well, you know, God can't, that can't be right in the Bible because, you know, men wrote it and, and you know, God would never be um, rough with people. You want to ask people, can you read? He called people snakes. He said, you, you bunch of vipers. He said, you whitewashed tombs. He said, you know, you make, you travel land and sea to make a convert, and you make them twice the child of hell that you are. People think, we you know, precious Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus was really rough with sinners, but with, I mean, with um, religious people. But he loved sinners. He loved sinners, and he, he loved people but it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the wouldn't sees and the couldn't sees that he had trouble with. 
Why? Because they, they hindered the plan of God. But keep reading here. He says, the Lord said, you hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his donkey, his ox from the stall, and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, I want you to get a hold of this. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, now what does that, what does that mean? We, he said a daughter of Abraham. That's covenant language. We have a covenant established upon better promises, the Bible says. And so because of that, you know, there's, there's many people we see in the Bible that I believe they use borrowed phrases. You know, have you ever heard someone say something and you just use their phrase and, and, and you got in, well, you know, I heard what they said. So there's people that use borrowed phrases, kind of like the woman that had the, um, the daughter, the Syrophoenician woman. And she said, um, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, I'm not called but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Lord, help me. You know, I'm not called, but it's not right to give the, to the, um, the children's bread to the dogs. She said, truth, Lord. So she was, she was not even in covenant with God. But here, this person's in covenant, and, and Jesus says, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? So we have rights and covenant rights. Because of the covenant we have with God. But I want you to look at this phrase. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound. Lo, these 18 years. Notice God didn't bind her. Notice it wasn't the work of, of God. It was the devil. It said, whom Satan hath bound, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So Jesus said that this was a work of Satan. You know, even when we look at um, Job in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about how Satan put boils upon him. So we know that the work of, of sickness and disease is the work of the devil. 100 times out of 100. There's not one time that, well, you know, maybe it was the will of God. Not one time. And until you settle that in your mind, you, you won't be free from it. And until you have those lingering things that, well, maybe God wants me to be like this. No. You just have to stand and resist it. So one of the things we see about the goodness of God is Jesus he likened this many times in the, in the gospel accounts. He likened um, an animal being in distress and, and getting them out. He likened that to healing. Jesus likened healing to helping an animal in distress. So what did he say? You're, you know, when that animal's in distress, you're not going to say, okay, we better wait, wait till tomorrow, Fido, because today's the Sabbath. No, you're going to get Fido out and you're going to take him out real quickly. Jesus said, me helping that, that animal in distress and that's in a bad way, that's what healing is. He's not calling a person an animal, but he's just saying it's, just, it's the same thing. You're helping that person. He said, ought not this person whom Satan is bound? I want to say the same thing today. Ought not people that are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, those people whom Satan has tried to bind, Ought they not be?
be loosed today? Shouldn't they not be loosed? T.D. Jakes preached that for years and years. Woman, thou art loosed. Amen. Woman, thou art loosed. You could say the same thing today. Woman, man, you're loosed today. And so all through the old, the, the new covenant, we see Jesus is portrayed as good. And so if you get nothing else but this, look at Hebrews 13.8. You don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 13.8 says this. Jesus Christ, the same. Everyone say the same. Jesus Christ, the same. Why? Because what happens is all through the centuries, people have said, well, Jesus used to do that, but now he doesn't. It's kind of like, you know, Jesus went into retirement, and so he's just on the sidelines now. He doesn't do that anymore. Jesus Christ, the same. The same as what? The same yesterday. What, what is yesterday? Yesterday is in the Bible. The, the word of God that we see where he walked the earth, that was yesterday. Today. So right now where we live, Jesus is, uh-oh, he's the same today as he was back in the Bible. Yesterday, today, and forever. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven, Jesus said. So that's why we, we make such a stand for the word of God. I'm not going to base my faith on my experience. My experience may have not come up to this Bible yet. My, my, I may have not received everything, but I am going to receive it. Amen. It, you know, once I get on the other side, if I had to wait till then to receive it, the, the rest of it, that's fine. But I am going to put my faith that right now on this side, I'm going to receive everything that heaven has for me. I'm going to receive it all. I'm going to receive it all. God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. And, and, you know, we might look a little bit radical about this, but, hey, God made the provision for me, and he said I can have it. You know, if my dad said, son, um, I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to give you that, you know, I'd make a special trip. He lives uh, 1,200 miles away. I would go make a special trip to, to southern Alabama to go get it. And, um, son, I'm going to give you this and this and this. Don't, Dad, don't, you don't even have to ship it. I'll come get it. You know, I'll just fly down there and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back. Amen. Why? Because he made provision for it. Because he, he made the provision for it. Our Heavenly Father made the provision for it. But you know what? It'll never just fall on you. You have to, you have to be bold. You have to go... Just like, like my kids. Dad, I need 20 bucks. I mean, me growing up, I never really asked for money. I just, you know, we, would, we, we were taken care of. But, Dad, I need 20 bucks. I need this. I need that. And nowadays, you can even transfer money to their account. I mean, <laughs> I do that, you know. And I, I can just, you know, you can do that with an app. And, and you just, okay. Son, which account is that? Okay. You just put it in their account, and in seconds, they got the money. And uh, <clears throat> But see, that's the way the Father is. What do you need? What do you need? 
And then you just boldly come to the throne of grace to, to receive, to receive grace and mercy to help in a time of need. Can you say amen? amen. Say this with me one more time. God is a good God. Bad devil, good God. God does only good things in my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just praise him for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you do good things. You're a good God. We thank you, Lord, that you are good only, and you only do good things. Thank you, Lord, that, that you're not the thief, but, Lord, you are the provider. You do good things. You do things that are good for us because you love us and you watch over us, and we thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just before we go here in just a moment, and in fact, we're going to receive communion, so just stay for that. We're going to receive communion in just a moment. But if you're in this place and you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you say, Pastor, as you've been speaking, I'm not right with God, but I want to ask Jesus into my heart today because I know He's good and I want to receive Him. Or secondly, and many people fall in this category through life. Maybe they walked with the Lord. Maybe you walked with the Lord at one time, but you walked away from Him. But you want to come back today. You want to come back and, and, and receive the goodness of God in your life. Just like the prodigal son of old. And the Bible says that he came back to his father. And the father restored him back. If that's you, with no one looking around, you either want to come back to the Lord or number one, that, that you want to give your life to Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Amen. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. So we never want to put off today to tomorrow because tomorrow never comes. So if that was you and you raised your hand, I want to do just what we said. I want you to stand your feet. Just come up. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is a one-size-fits-all. If there's anyone else and you didn't raise your hand but you want to be included in this prayer, then just come on up and we're going to pray with you. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Just stretch your hands out to her. You know, you came to, to man. You didn't come to man, but you came to God. So I want you to just pray this with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord 
I would be saved. So, Father, I confess Jesus died for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Let me never be the same. Lord, I turn my back on the world and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. And thank you for coming back again for me. In Jesus' name.